Thank you, Joan. Um, thank you for the lovely hymns you chosen, and thank you, Bernard, for the hymns you chose, and Don for your reading, because I've actually got your, the reading that you read in the middle of my talk, so that you, at the beginning of the service, Joan, you asked for a blessing this morning, and that was a real blessing to me, because you know when you, you read a passage, and it's a passage we all know, and you think, oh, what am I going to say? And then when there's confirmation in the service that you've gone the right way, it's really beautiful. So thank you, Don, thank you, Bernard, thank you, Joan, and thank you, God. So let's just pray. As we've been saying, Father, thank you so much for being with us as we worship you and as we think about your word. And I pray now that the words that I've written to speak, I pray that they are the words that you want me to say. Add anything, take anything away, and make this message from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So first of all, what I wanted to say um, was the blessed assurance that we sang. Um, this is my story, this is my song, praising my Saviour all the day long. Perfect submission, perfect delight. And all of those words um, were words that were with me, not that particular hymn, but as I was looking at the story of Joseph. And also then, of course, the hymn, Reign in Me, which is what Joseph um, was completely surrendered to God all the time. And that's why he prospered so well. So let's have a look at Genesis 39. As we've been saying, we're continuing today with the story of Joseph. And in the reading today for a time, Joseph seems to have reached a period of relative ease and peace as Potiphar's favoured servant before his world is turned upside down again and he ends up in prison with little hope of a trial or freedom. Terry mentioned a couple of weeks ago when we were speaking about the story of Joseph, about the hand of, how the hand of God was on Joseph throughout his story. And this is true. But it's easy, I think, when we know the end of the story, to gloss over the difficult parts, eager to get to the happy ending that we already know about. So at the beginning of our reading today, Joseph is working for Potiphar, an extremely wealthy officer in Pharaoh's service. And of course, he comes to Pharaoh's notice because God's hand is on him and everything is going very well. So, uh, Potiphar's notice. So Potiphar makes him his attendant. So it would be easy to think, well, Joseph's okay now. He seems to have landed on his feet. But we need to remember Joseph was a great distance from home in a foreign land with no means of communication with his homeland, no way of knowing how his family was, if indeed his brothers regretted what they'd done to him or how his mother and sisters were. He must have been very, very lonely. But we read that Joseph never for an instant shirked his new responsibilities. And from this, we can gather that he was not allowing bitterness, anger or confusion about what had happened to him to affect the way he was living his life. Indeed, we read, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. And when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favour in his eyes and became his attendant. 
The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field, all because of Joseph. It's saying here that Joseph prospered because the Lord was with him. I think we need to realise, though, that Joseph, and indeed we, always have a choice. God was with Joseph, but Joseph was also choosing to trust God in spite of his broken dreams and the betrayal of his family. This made me think of another time when we're told that God is with someone in particular, and this is in the story of King Saul. When Samuel anoints Saul as king, we read that as Saul turned to leave Samuel, God changed Saul's heart. And Saul, as king, was successful as a leader of his people, and he was victorious in battle. But then pride in his achievements made him forget that it was God who was in charge. Saul began to take matters into his own hands, accepting credit for victory that was not his, and failing to be obedient to God's instructions, until eventually we read, Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel, I regret that I have made Saul king, because he has turned away from me, and has not carried out my instructions. And we know how the story continues, with David anointed king, and Saul's growing paranoia and jealousy. Such behaviour doesn't reflect the spirit of God. God's hand was no longer on Saul because of what? Because of the choices Saul had made. But for Joseph, he made the decision to live the life God gave to him. He trusted that God knew where he was, what was happening to him, and that his hand was upon him, even when things were seeming to go wrong. And this continued even through the temptation put before him by Potiphar's wife. Joseph didn't waver. He made no weak excuses, but went straight to the point, saying that his master had trusted him with everything in his household, that he's withheld nothing from Joseph except his wife. And Joseph then makes his point absolutely clear. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? This is where we see the complete unity between Joseph's attitude to his work and his reverence for God. They are one and the same. And this is Joseph's integrity. Integrity is defined as the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles. And this clearly describes Joseph perfectly. But there are more definitions which help to explain Joseph's character further. Another definition of integrity is the state of being whole and undivided. Whole and undivided speaks to me of Joseph belonging completely to God. He didn't compartmentalize his life. He saw his whole life as belonging to God. And then a further definition is the condition of being unified or sound in construction. And I was quite taken with an example that was given here, which says, metal also maintains its structural integrity even when wind speeds reach hurricane levels. And I thought of Joseph, Joseph's attitude. It was constant. He wasn't blown about by the wind of change. He didn't get taken down by despair when things were going wrong. And he also didn't get showy and overconfident when things were going well. His integrity meant that he never changed. And this made me think of an old hymn. Through all the changing scenes of life, 
in trouble and in joy. The praises of my God shall still my heart and tongue employ. And the hymn goes on to say to God that we want to make his service our delight and our wants to be his care. Integrity means oneness, and in this sense, oneness with God. In his book, The Utter Relief of Holiness, I just love that title, The Utter Relief of Holiness, John Eldridge quotes William MacDonald. And William MacDonald says, There is a reality of being in which all things are easy and plain. Oneness, that is, with the Lord of life. I'm going to read that again because it's so beautiful. There is a reality of being in which all things are easy and plain. Oneness, that is, with the Lord of life. And this makes me think of Paul speaking in Ephesus about the one true God, the one in whom Paul says, for in him we live and move and have our being. This was Joseph's integrity. He believed in all the changing circumstances of his life as favoured son, hated brother, favoured servant or despised prisoner, God was with him, his hand was upon him and he could trust God completely. And in that faithful trust, Joseph found the strength to give all his effort to each task before him, whether serving the, in the luxurious household of Potiphar, resting the, resisting the advances of his master's wife, or working in the prison. And in all these circumstances, Joseph was a servant. He didn't rail against this. As we have said, he did to the best of his ability what lay before him. And as we've been looking at the story of Joseph, there are many echoes, as we've seen in the past weeks, of the story of Jesus. And as I considered Joseph the servant, this is where I thought of Paul's words about Jesus in Philippians that Don read this morning. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Joseph trusted that his life was in God's hands, but this did not cause him to feel that he was above what he was called to do. Living hundreds of years before Jesus, Joseph set the example of what Paul asked of the Philippians in his admonition um, when, when he um, wrote this about Jesus. And Paul was saying to the Philippians, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Joseph was happy to serve because ultimately he wasn't serving Potiphar or the prison warder. He was serving God. This was the integrity of spirit that enabled him to maintain the same equanimity wherever he was and whatever he was doing. He saw his life from the perspective that God saw his life. So what's the relevance for this for our lives today? I think we need, like Joseph, to see our life from God's perspective, to trust that the hand of God is upon us. Joseph trusted that God would fulfill his promises. 
How much more can we have this confidence? Our confidence is in Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. We are assured God has fulfilled all his promises to us in Jesus. But do our lives, in every circumstance, reflect that confidence? And this reminded me of another hymn. Teach me, my God and King, in all things thee to see, that what I do in anything, to do it as for thee. A servant with this clause makes drudgery divine, who sweeps a room as for thy laws, makes that and the action fine. And maybe these words today can seem a little bit trite, but they hold such truth. There are two things here. First, that we believe, as we have said, that God has his hand on our life. And secondly, that we're willing, like Joseph, to surrender all to God's will. As we've said, it's easy reading the story of Joseph to anticipate the happy ending. But it's essential to remember that as Joseph went through each phase of his life, he didn't know the ending. But he trusted God, even in the darkest times. And we need to think of our lives at the moment. Our personal situations. Our family situations. Circumstances at work. Circumstances with friends. Our search for a pastor. And we need to ask God to help us see them all from his perspective, enabled then to trust in his unfailing love, no matter how things seem at present. This seeking of God's will, seeing things from his perspective, is what will give us oneness with him, is what will give us our integrity. We are blessed by God, being with us in the presence of his Holy Spirit, and we know the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. And these were the qualities that Joseph displayed in every circumstance. And we will pray that this can be the same for us in our lives. And I just want to conclude by praying a very old prayer which has always been since I was a little girl somehow these words really spoke to me I've always loved this prayer so shall we pray teach us good Lord to serve you as you deserve to give and not to count the cost to fight and not to heed the wound to labor and not to ask for any reward, save that of knowing that we do your will. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.